0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: What is up, everyone? Happy birthday to America and happy day to you for joining us here on the Coast to Coast podcast from insidecarolina.com. Brought to you by Johnny T-Shirt. All right, all right. I am not Matthew McConaughey. I'm Joey Powell, your host for Inside Carolina's Coast to Coast podcast. Coming at you again. Sorry we had to take last week off. Uh, Sherelle was out helping develop a new Powerade flavor, so he was unavailable. Um, Sean has actually been been in Kansas City scouting places that he can eat ribs next week when he goes for the EYBL tour. Uh, So we weren't able to get a show for you last week. We appreciate you guys being patient. I did tease on the message boards that we have. Uh, this show coming with a lot of content, and I'm working on something else special for you guys that I think you're going to like. So stay tuned for those. But for tonight, we're glad that you're here as we record this here on the eve of our country's Independence Day. I hope that you have celebrated in whatever fashion that you're going to celebrate. As Americans, you know, we like to blow stuff up on July the 4th. So I hope that you've done that and saved all of your limbs and appendages. But with me, as always, to make this show what it is, Sean Moran, all the way from the left coast. Sean, how are you? Is it still July 4th where you are?
2: Yep, still, still July 4th. Still some fireworks to, to go.
1: Awesome. And uh, glistening with his beautiful podcast glow, Cheryl McMillan. Sheryl, how are you? I'm good. Excited to
3: be back after we took last week off. So, rated to talk.
1: Yeah, Cheryl had a milestone birthday recently. Uh, we won't say how old he was, uh, but it rhymes with smorty. Uh, so congratulations on reaching another trip around the sun, Sherelle. Boys, we have a ton of things to talk about tonight here on the coast to coast. I hope that everybody listening will follow us, subscribe, rate review, all of those good things. If you're watching us on YouTube, you know, tell your friends. Um, I know we're all good looking, but there's more than those reasons to to tune into the show on a regular basis. Last time we came to you was in emergency fashion talking about Pete Nance and the Northwestern grad transfers. Uh, commitment to North Carolina to play the four spot for the Heels next year. We had talked about what that might look like. Uh, Sean and Sherrill have given great analysis on that. Guys, one more time, is there anything else you want to add uh, now that we know that Pete Nance is officially uh, in Chapel Hill, has joined the team, and will be a part of the roster? Sherrill. Particularly,
3: I just think, again, this goes back to a North Carolina team that now seemingly has you know no holes, no known holes. In that there's a backup center now, also a potential starting four, and then it it kind of spreads everybody else throughout the roster and creates a lot of balance. So just a huge pickup. And then, I mean, he, he was on campus two days later, so he's already, uh, like we talked about before, getting used to being on campus, learning the culture, and, you know, the early reviews from what people have said publicly and what people have said properly is that it's kind of a home run. So, um, early yet, but it, it seems to be trending in, in a positive direction
1: and just a really good signing for North Carolina. All these considered that late, um, into June. I'm going to hereby say that on this show, we will not compare him in any way, shape or form to Brady manic, because I think that's going to be the, the low hanging fruit for most folks when they're making, uh, analytical comparisons next year. So we're not going to do that here on this show. Sean, I would like to ask you specifically, though, the official team social media handles put out some uh, quick video work of the first practice they had during the summer. And I saw a Pete Nance with a little bit of a crab dribble uh, and his 6'10 long legs, you know, making what looks to be like was step and a half to go from the free throw line to the lane. But it looked good. It looked smooth. Is that something we can expect to see that maybe we didn't see in his game because he played for a plotting offense in Northwestern? (laughs)
2: <laughs> um well, well I have this is your chance that. to
1: rip on big 10 basketball man I'm teeing it up for you
2: <laughs> that's why I'm that's why I'm laughing because you said you weren't gonna talk about the big 10 at all on on this podcast but uh in, in terms of of plotting style it obviously be a little little faster paced than the typical big 10 big 10 game I think for him we will see him he he does have the ability to drive drive left uh I think driving right is is a little bit he's not not as comfortable. So. I think if he catches the ball from the perimeter and somebody comes running at him, he can he can get to the rim and really one one dribble just given given his length. Uh, so, looking forward to seeing seeing that, maybe seeing some things that he didn't show in the in the Northwestern offense. Um, and then I think, as we've said countless times, the main question mark will be defensively. How does he how does he perform? But in general, Sherelle hit it, hit the nail on the head. He offers a lot of, uh, positional flexibility with the team and the talent. And I think for myself, and I would assume the majority of other Tar Heel fans, it'll be nice after three years to have a team that is coming into the season with a legit number one, top five, uh, resume and and roster versus the last few years where even, even last year was really until mid February, uh, for them to get, get rolling. So that, obviously brings other other issues, but I think that can be something everybody's enjoying uh, as we look forward to the start of the season.
1: Yeah, man, I actually, um, I came from a cookout. I did not come from a barbecue because you cannot come from a barbecue because barbecue is food or a way to cook food. Um, but I came from a cookout before I got here and uh, a lot of Tar Heel fans there, generally the vibe, like people are really excited about um I don't know. It's it, it's got that old feeling back where it's not the expectation that we've talked about here, where Tar Heels are expected to be good. Like fans are actually, I, I think they're they're hanging over now, and they've got this they've got this vibe from seeing Pete Nance fill out the roster that they're really uh, excited about potential, as opposed to this the old Tar Heel fan expectation of things being good. Now that may change once the calendar rolls over to November and they start playing. But um, either way, um, something else we well, want to. Johnny- we- Go
3: ahead. I was going to say to your point, I mean, look into Sean's point, look at the last three years, that kind of um, expectation has not been there. And I think fans are a little reticent to, to kind of go back there. <laughs> and so it's just weird combination of like North Carolina should be really good. And they're expected to be really good, but my heart's been broken the last three years. So I want to just hold off a little bit. I think that's kind of what you're seeing from the fan base, uh, which you you articulate, which I, I think is a fair point. Like, yeah, they should be really good, but it's there's just that little bit in the back of their head, like maybe they won't be. So I think that's why <laughs> it's like it's like a
1: cautious optimism almost. So I and I've seen it as well. So that, that's a great point by you. Stove is still hot, right? Like they're they're not they're not quite the uh, despaired fan base that the football fans are. Um, and, and again, full confession, you know, I've have the same feelings about Tar Heel football as well. Um, something I want to get to here, and it's important that we mention it, I think, because we would be doing a disservice to our listeners uh, and to IC subscribers if we did not mention it. But as we record this today, uh, a rumor has circulated, started primarily from what I can tell, unsourced by, or at least the source wasn't, you know, wasn't alluded to. But it seems to be started by a writer for another site, um, and it's not a twenty four seven site, uh, pertaining to GG Jackson and the potential of him ending up. At South Carolina and decommitting from North Carolina. So again, we're not trying to give credence to that rumor at all. Uh, I, I'm going to let Cheryl speak to it a little bit, but more so, we're acknowledging that we know the rumor is out there, and we feel like we would uh, not be doing a, a, a service to our listeners and ic subscribers if we didn't at least say, "Hey, we know it's there. This is what we know." So I'm going to shut up, Cheryl. Have at it, man.
3: So I, I like to start with the the facts of the case. So <clears throat> obviously, he is committed to you and. He made that decision in April. Um, Basically, we all agree that he came down to Duke to some degree, but mostly South Carolina and North Carolina. And South Carolina was dealt a major blow when Frank Martin was fired. Um, At the time, there was a lot of, I don't want to call it pressure, but a lot of people in Columbia wanted him to stay home and be kind of the Asia Wilson of men's basketball um, at South Carolina. And um, there have been conversations going back to probably January, I think is really the first time I really heard it, about him reclassing into 2022, coming to school year early, which puts him eligible for the draft next year, which means he could be in the NBA. Basically, at that point, it was like 18 months. So it'd be a calendar year from now, essentially. So there's the background for that, but he did commit to UNC. And all along, kind of the folks we talked to from the very first time, you know, we kind of mentioned Gigi more than a year ago, probably about 14, 15 months ago. it was Carolina, 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 maybe South Carolina. That was pretty much it the whole time. So these two schools have been linked to him for for some time. I think I came out and said it more than a year ago. I was like, I'll be surprised if he goes anywhere but South Carolina or North Carolina. So I, I give all that background to say, these schools were, were in it deep with him. And I think um, when you're the number one recruit in the country, which he is close to being consensus, he's not quite yet, but I think he'll probably get there soon with the way he's been playing and developing. People are going to call you, whether it's the G League, um, whether they should or not, other schools, you know, in basketball and football, the whole commitment thing means a little bit different. Uh, decommitments have seeped over some into basketball, but not nearly as pervasive as they are in football. Um, so the number one player is going to get recruited, whether he's committed or not. So that's part of what goes with having a number one recruit, uh, committed to your school. As far as the rumors go, you know, um, if, if Gigi and the family, um, wanted to shut this stuff down, (laughs) you think they would do it, um, as far as, you know, picking a high school, um, making a decision in that regard, and maybe they're close to doing it, but that's why this stuff continues to persist. And it, it does make you wonder um, <clears throat> that this keeps coming back over and over again. Is it a, a we're not all on the same deal, same page of deal? Um, is it a situation where just having difficulty making a, a final decision? I mean, I'll take I'll take myself as an example. Not nearly as important, but we looked at like forty houses <laughs> before we made a decision, and then we offered them one and tried to get another one. Like it's very these decisions are tough. These life changing things. Um, so I said all of that to say. I understand um, kind of where the rumor came from, I think, and and why it came, whether or not it is accurate. um, You know, frankly, I don't know, I don't think it is, but this is recruiting, man. Crazy stuff happens all the time. Uh, Typically it doesn't happen in North Carolina. I don't think North Carolina's ever had a decommitment. J.R. Smith is probably as close as it comes and he went to the NBA. Um, Jameson Curry was going to Carolina, but then he had a a legal situation. Those are only two I can think of in the last 20 years. Uh, really last 22 years, I guess now, um, that come close to a decommit. So all that to say, we'll see. Um, at this point, I still expect him to eventually enroll at UNC. Um, but, you know, I don't think people are making things up for no reason. I think, you know, if you reported that, I think there's there's got to be something there. Um, so uh, we'll see what happens. And I don't mean to make people think that we're saying that Gigi's decommitting and everything because we're not. I, I still think he ultimately ends up at UNC, But um, and I don't mean to, to carry on for a long time, but we deal with rumors all the time throughout the offseason, transfers and people signing here and people getting released here and um, people deciding that they're going to decommit, all kinds of stuff that we hear. And you'd be surprised. Some of the best players in Carolina history, some of those rumors were attached to. Um, so it's something that we do track. We don't usually – say anything because most of the time none of, none of them come to fruition um, but we are monitoring it we're we're talking to people we're reaching out and uh, when we have something concrete um, we will we will let you know but uh, everything that Gigi has said publicly is that he wants to be at UNC and in 2023 so that's as much as we have to go on right now.
1: I think the biggest thing to take away from what you just said at least from my ears is that if something changes, you know, you never say never. Uh, you you are never gonna you're never gonna be able to make everything static. And Sherelle is not a soothsayer or someone that can read the future. But what I will say, and I will toot Inside Carolina's horn here, um, you know, we mating Inside Carolina's a staff, but specifically uh, you, Sherelle, have been very consistent in uh, and sharing what you know and i think even right before that you know right before GD's commitment there were some folks saying other things so uh, i would say if Sherelle says it then i would tend to believe it uh for those who are listening and, and watching the show take that as you will um can't really plan for the future but you heard what Sherelle said you know and if there's more to report inside carolina we'll have it for you but just consider this is a uh, This is what's like having the number one, or what could be, as you said, the consensus number one recruit in the class, right? All right, moving on. Um, I used to have a boss of what I said. Moving on, that's when he would want to move the agenda forward and get us to stop beating something to death. Speaking of Gigi Jackson, one of the reasons that he's been such a hot commodity and such a hot topic this past week was his performance at the NBA NBA Players Association um, event this past week where – if you've been on social media at all, you have seen my man was sick with it. Shout out to the N1 mixtape tour. Um, Sean, I want to go to you first. I saw a lot of things, and I don't watch half as much tape as you guys do. I saw a lot of things from Gigi this past week that I had not seen before. And as we've talked about here, his AAU setting has not lent to him showing off his skill set as much as he probably could. I think the shackles were off this week uh, at the NBPA the thing. Tell us a little bit about what you think about that.
2: Well, I'll definitely defer to Sherelle who was, who was there in person because uh, I only got to watch a bunch of highlights where anybody can can look good. But I think in those highlights, you got to see um, some things he really didn't see in the early AAU sessions uh, for the most part, as well as even the high school season. A little bit better, uh, well, what looked like a little better shooting ability, but more importantly, off the dribble, you saw a lot of the, the mid-range uh, getting to his spots off the dribble. I think his percentage from three was still subpar uh which has kind of been a a theme throughout high school and and uh and aau but i think the moves that he was doing were a lot different than than what we had seen which once again goes to show the continued improvement uh and you can go back to the usa u18 FIBA event that he was playing in and unfortunately his his tournament got cut short after just two games but that second game he did have i think it was 20 21 points um a lot of it coming late but I think everybody was excited to see how he was going to progress through that tournament before he got sick. But now you got to see it in the top 100 camp where he was named MVP. Uh, and usually these, the MVPA top 100, you're bringing, for the most part, the best of the best, uh, bringing in different guys from shoe circuits. A few guys weren't there with the USA U-17s going on, but still a very talented group. So we'll love to see uh, or hear from Shirell in terms of what he... He looked like going through the full games.
1: Yeah, so see, I threw that to you, hoping you could just pick parts of things from from highlight tape. But knowing Cheryl has seen the the full body of work, uh, I'm with you. Let's hear what what the man who was in person last week uh, what he has to say after being at the Wild World of Sports and letting us know kind of just how Gigi looked. With uh, first off, take a step back, Cheryl. Who all shows up at this at this event? Who are the Who are the players that are invited?
3: So it's it's. Um... It's a mix of 2023, uh, so the, it's a mix of the rising junior class, the rising senior class, and um, one rising sophomore. Uh, so pretty much those are the guys. It's a little bit um, it's a little bit diluted compared to what it used to be. Uh, probably, I'll say before USA Basketball really became like a thing again around 2011. Um, but there used to be legit, pretty much the top 100 players in the country. Now it's more like 60 of the top 100. Maybe like fifty of the top one hundred, mm-hmm. um, but still a very valuable camp because a lot of these guys, uh, even though they're playing more, they don't play against each other because some mm-hmm. of them are in different circuits. Um, but you you are missing some of that top tier talent, like you know Carter Knox and Ian Johnson, uh, Ian Jackson and, and Trey Johnson, and a lot of the guys who are in Spain or, or some of the guys who got cut from that team. The, the USA team did, decided not to go because they've got. evaluation periods over the next two weeks and it is a very long um i want to call it grueling but it is an involved camp they got there on sunday night slash monday morning they have seminars monday and tuesday pretty much all day there's a three-on-three tournament Um, and then they have games all day wednesday um all day thursday and then um towards the end on friday with the championship game they're all played with nba rules so they're very long games they're all 48 minutes with a running clock 12 minutes a quarter um, so the guys, they're, it's a little different for them, um, getting used to that. And everybody plays two games a day. So that's kind of the setup. Uh, as far as like personnel, uh, NBA executives are, are allowed there from Tuesday through Friday. So executives and scouts and you know pretty much everything. Adam Silver was there on Wednesday and spoke to the campers. That was kind of a big deal. Uh, I, don't, I can't remember him ever being there. And then college coaches were allowed in for pretty much a – 36-hour window, uh, I guess it's closer to the 48. They uh, showed up on Wednesday morning at eight and they could watch until uh, Thursday afternoon at five. And so that basically consists of two sessions of live games each day. Um, the North Carolina staff, all four uh, coaches were there and then um, they stayed for the first three sessions. And then it typically gets pretty ragged by the fourth day that afternoon. So uh, didn't see anybody from UNC there. Thursday afternoon and feel like they they saw what they needed to see. So that is the setup of what MBPA uh, camp is. Um, As far as Gigi Jackson, um, he was he was pretty phenomenal. Um, And I know the percentages maybe don't show it. um, But you can see how his game is continuing to evolve. It's, It's like, aggressive expansion is what his game is right now it's like every time there's something new or something different that he either couldn't do before or hadn't perfected before this time it was attacking the basket it it was as if him and his you know his dad and his mom and his trainers and um, his coaches said we want you to show the country that you can attack the uh, attack the basket on every play because pretty much you know um he was there were times where he was running point guard, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I'm, he's not going to be a point guard at the next level. That's not what he is or what he can't be. Um, but he he's improved his handles that much that so he can do it in spots. And pretty much it was a lot of um, – there was some isolation, but there was a lot of movement. He was the ball handler a lot of times on pick and rolls, uh, which is a, a new development. And so he was in kind of a 4-5 Uh, pick and roll with uh, Aiden Sherrill who's the big on that team or Jaron Stevenson who was the other big on that team and they were just kind of carving guys up with that Um, the other thing I liked about him is that it was it was there were some moves with the ball in his hand but a lot of it was going downhill so he would make maybe one or two moves at tops um, most of the time when he was successful. When he had some issues, when he had some turnovers is when he went from a hesitation to a crossover behind the back. When you start adding, you know, different combos, that's when he ran into issues. But when it was a quick hesitation pull-up or a quick hesitation drive or a quick hesitation crossover into a spin, all that stuff was was on point, man. It, it, it really is striking to see how far it's come in six or seven months. Um, so again, when you start talking about him as a 2023 kid, it's like, man, if he continues to develop like that in high school, in a controlled environment, in um, a good place for development when he enters college, you know, maybe he's going to be a little bit more ready than we initially thought. But again, if you look at it as a 2022, then it's like some of that development might, might not come because he's going to be, you know, playing against grown men immediately in a couple of months. But um, overall, really good camp. I think the, the negatives were, sometimes getting a little sloppy with the ball handling um, some of the turnovers, but a lot more positive positive than negative. And his motor was, was running high too. He wanted to show that he was the guy.
1: I loved again. I I wasn't there, but I saw some of the things you just talked about specifically with him going downhill, but uh, some of the contested shots he was hitting uh, with guys all over him moving, like you said, downhill, some of them moving to his left, uh, a little crossover, jump shots from the elbow, that kind of stuff. Again, I, I don't see half the stuff you guys do, but trying to speak for most of the folks in the IC audience and our listeners, that stuff was tasty. Um <laughs> is was there it, again in a team setting, did you see some things otherwise with with regard to like facilitation or um non-offensive stuff that, you know, again, maybe you don't see in an AAU setting, or maybe you didn't see with his AAU team because of the personnel?
3: Really just mentality i know that we we start talking about intangibles it gets kind of shaky but just the fact that he came out in the first game I think the first couple first possession or two grabbed the rebound, pushed the ball up court, was kind of telling people what to do. Um, he has been for I would say the majority of his high school career, kind of a, a quiet, non-vocal leader. I mean, his coaches have said that. He said that in the past. And I think this time, you know, he went out and wanted to be the guy. And he was very vocal. He was, he was telling people what to do, just kind of dominating you know people always talk about how they want like the alpha on the team or whatever um and he was definitely that with his particular team and it showed uh because you know they went undefeated and ended up winning um you know the whole thing so i thought that was important uh he battles on the boards man um at one point i thought that may be an area of concern for him um but he can He can get on the perimeter sometimes and you're like, okay, you know, you're you've got some skills that are burgeoning in that in that area, but you can really make an impact down low. And so he might forget for three or four minutes, but then he would go back there and then he's a good shot blocker as well. Um, There wasn't a ton of like switching on to guards in this particular um, camp. His coach was Justin Anderson. He used to play at UVA. uh really coveted a UNT offer but it just never didn't quite work out that way Um but uh you know they didn't like I said they didn't do a lot of switching but learning from someone like Anderson who uh, probably was a little bit ahead of his time as mm-hmm. one of those big athletic you know would have been a, a four a true four um now uh, I think it was good for him and he just had a good camp um overall just just a really really good camp and I, I don't I'm trying not to I'm trying not to praise too much. That's why I'm cho- choosing my words carefully, because it was really, really impressive. And I don't want to dial up the hype meter even more because the kid's are already number one. Yeah. But um, I mean, it was really impressive.
1: You well, you, you do a pretty good job, like you said, of picking your words and and, and trying to keep yourself from being a prisoner of the moment. Um, Sim Wilcher, also one of those guys that was there. Uh, talk a little bit about his week. Obviously, he wasn't getting the headlines that, um, you know, that that Jackson was. But can you share a little bit about maybe what what you saw from him and Sean, I'm going to ask you the same thing uh, when Sheryl finishes up.
3: Yeah, just, uh, I think he's finally starting to get healthy. I mean, that ankle sprain he had in April was really, really bad. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think you're starting to see him for the first time kind of healthy. He's at his best, again, just like Gigi when he's going downhill. um, Because of his size, if he can get by you, um, it's going to be really tough to stop. Just because he's a big guard and he's always uh, kind of, I do not say flagrantly, but like just aggressively going <laughs> downhill to the basket. Um, he had to, a couple of nice passes. I think with him is just continue to improve his uh his outside jump shot. But I I think he's going to be you know a, a really good player um at North Carolina. You know his his national status at this point. Um, I don't know if he really cares about it. Uh, just because he's committed and you know he's kind of a top twenty five guy everywhere. Um, so that's not a, a a huge concern. But just going out and playing um and um, continue to work on the ball handling, I think, and, and the jump shot. And he's 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 got a high ceiling as well. And that's pretty much what he did. He, he blended from time to time. That, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but there were other moments when he did kind of take control um, and, and handle the ball and, and um, you know, really help his team. Sean, same
1: thing.
2: Well, Cheryl just mentioned blended. and I think you go back to the high school, high school season, and he put up some really, really good numbers, but he he played on a really talented team and he always made sure to get everybody involved. Even looking at last year, he played up a year on the Nike EYBL circuit, but I think he averaged close to five assists per game, which pretty, pretty impressive um, no matter what age you are in the Nike EYBL. And, and this year, Cheryl mentioned the injury and, and, also switching teams and kind of getting used to things. So hopefully this week kind of served as just a maybe a stepping stone into uh, into July where he's going to get tested uh, both in EYBL and Kansas City and then the Peach Jam. And I think he does have something to prove with the Carolina offer and, and with the reputation. So hopefully he is healthy and, and the MBPA just kind of got him ready um, in terms of maybe starting to, Blend, you know, knock and maybe blend out a little bit more in terms of really starting to be the the go-to guy. So I'm looking forward to watching that uh in Kansas City, hopefully
1: next week. Yeah, TBD on that. Um, so as we're sitting here talking about, you know, the, these kids playing in different places, uh, you know, Sean, you've seen them, you will see them in uh, in KC next week. You know, there have been other times where they've played uh Houston, other places around the country. Um, you start thinking about, you know, you. Know, America as a whole right July the fourth, you start thinking about America as a whole you start thinking about saluting the flag our friends at Johnny t-shirt have a UNC themed America flag that you can purchase if you'd like to how do you like that melding your Tar Heel fandom with honoring America go to johnnytshirt.com they can take care of it they have a three by five uh UNC USA style flag with grommets 24.99 on johnnytshirt.com right now, if you look. Uh, If if you are a fan of the Tar Heels, which we know you are, you wouldn't be listening to the show. You know about Johnny T-Shirt, the Carolina store right there on East Franklin Street in Chapel Hill. We're big fans of theirs. They've been supporting Inside Carolina for so long. Uh, Father's Day just passed us. I know a lot of dads that got hooked up with some really, really good gear from Johnny T-Shirt. They've got you squared away. A lot of lacrosse gear on the site right now. Uh, You know, UNC lacrosse has been a really strong program uh, over the not-so-recent past. And and if you support UNC Lacrosse or any other sport, go to johnnytshirt.com, get your gear. Johnny T-Shirt, they are huge, huge supporters, locally owned, alumni operated. And if you're an Inside Carolina premium subscriber, which I have no idea why you would not be, you get that extra 10% off the top. Use it, get the code from the premium message boards, go to Johnny T-Shirt. You'll be glad you did. And as I've said a million times, if they don't have it, you don't need it. Uh, take a quick break in a second, Cheryl. You want to add one more thing about GG Jackson? You're muted.
3: I'm I'm sorry. Two weeks off, three weeks off. This goes back to the first part. You're getting old, man. About. It happens yeah. it, when you when yeah. you when
1: you hit certain milestones. Your faculty <laughs> start going away from you.
3: Yeah, this goes back to the first thing we were talking about. Just a couple of other facts. Um, so one, d- just general information. One. Um, if jackson had wanted to uh reclass into north carolina when it had a scholarship it would have taken him so that is not just for what that's worth um so i don't think the idea that um, what happened with other scholarships afterwards um being an issue for jackson and the family i don't think that is entirely accurate based upon everything that we know just wanted to throw that in there and add that too
1: i appreciate it because that timing is important and as people are trying to Uh, surmise things from the tea leaves on the interwebs right now. They're starting to draw conclusions that may not be uh, connected. So appreciate you clarifying that. All right, take a quick break. Since we did our amazing Johnny T-shirt mention, they'll want to drop some national ads in here, help pay the bills. Stick around. We'll be right back with more Coast to Coast here on InsideCarolina.com.
0: eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love,
1: Recruiting, because that seems to be what's happening most of the time during the summer. Uh, Sean, before I start getting to new offers for Hubert Davidson staff, you're going to be in Kansas City next week for a rib-eating contest and may also watch some basketball. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you're going to see at the Nike EYBL uh, live period. Yeah,
2: I'm I'm really excited to get out there. It's been a while since I've been to a Nike EYBL event. Last year, I uh, was at the Under Armour event watching way too much Isaac Trout uh during (laughs) during the weekend so we'll be good to see uh both Gigi and Wiltshire in person after watching a ton of their high school and and earlier AU tape but more importantly uh, a lot of the the 2024 class which has uh been ramping ramping up in terms of the interest and offers and, and the calls so I think uh that to me is um probably one of the most exciting parts of just getting to see these guys in person, um, outside of the high school highlight tapes or, or full game tapes. And, um, just, just get to see a lot of the, the guys that we'll be talking about for the next year, two years, whatever it may be. So that'll be the main thing in between barbecue stops.
1: Yeah. And I'm sure you'll be sending unsolicited photos of your food to Sherelle and I, as always. Um, some of those guys that Sean will be seeing next week, uh, as he heads to Kansas city, um, Three new offers have come out since we have talked with you all last. Uh, I want to mention them. I'm going to give the guys vitals, and I'm going to let Sean, I want you to give a little bit about their game. Cheryl, I want you to give a little bit about what the recruitment looks like as we sit here in early July. Uh, first one being Ian Jackson. I think he's number two in in scouts rankings, 6'4 wing guard from the Bronx. Sean.
2: Yeah. So right now he's playing in the USAU 17s uh, first two games, uh, 21 points in a blowout against Lebanon. And then I think 11 points in a blowout, but not as bad uh, Slovenia. So right now he's been, been playing pretty well uh, from the Bronx. I think that the main thing about him is he knows how to put the ball in the basket. He was the max preps player of the year uh, in the sophomore class. In terms of improvement points, I think it, it goes to his outside shooting. Uh, that has been an area that he struggled at, uh, I'd say last year. But once again, he's just going into his junior year, and I think already starting to see signs of that, whether it's been in an AAU or some of the summer uh, summer camps that he has been playing in. So, really, I mean, he he is a an athletic scorer that is that is extremely aggressive on both sides of the ball.
1: And Cheryl, you want to talk a little bit about what his recruitment what his recruitment has looked like? You know, including whatever you can share about contact uh, before and after the offer.
3: Yeah, so it's kind of funny. Uh, He hadn't talked to UNT before. Uh, before he was called and gave him an offer um so that was interesting he, he was kind of like oh this is pretty cool i hadn't heard you from for, heard from you before until the, until today now you're offering me a scholarship so uh that's kind of cool other than that man i mean you know he's a, he's a top five consensus you know kid in the country pretty much so all the normal people you would expect to be there are going to be there um he plays on the adidas circuit so that maybe could give a leg up to some of the schools uh you know, who like Kansas and Louisville potentially. Um, but the school most linked to him uh, right now is Kentucky. Um, you know, also, when you're talking about top five kids, then the G League is going to be there as well. Um, so, I don't know exactly where this goes for UNC until kids get on campus and visit. Can't really take their recruitment uh, by UNC uh, too seriously. And at this point, remember, uh, no matter what a recruit tells you, there are no visits in July. So no one can visit in July (laughs) unless they are signed um, to that school already. So, for example, if uh, Seth Trimble wasn't enrolled at UNC right now and wanted to take an official visit, he could do that in July because he signed. But no one else can be on campus at all in July. So um, once August hits and some of these kids can start taking their official visits, I think that's where you monitor how serious they are um, about North Carolina. And, and I think
1: that's where we are um, with Jackson as well. All right. Well, appreciate the, the heads up there on Ian Jackson. Again, 6'4 wing guard out of the Bronx. And you're going to hear a lot of similarities in some of these offers. I mean, as, as we've seen before, Hubert Davis established very quickly last year that he loves guys that can shoot and he loves wings that can score. Next one in that same mold, uh, Trey Johnson, six-five wing guard out of Dallas. He attends Lake Highlands High School. Sean, what have you seen in this kid's game?
2: So he's, he's a number three prospect uh, according to 24 seven. So really neck and neck um, with, with Jackson. And I think there's, there's definitely some similarities as well as, as differences. I'd say, for Trey, uh, he is definitely a better outside outside shooter. Uh, very, very, I was about to say smooth, and then remember how much Ben, ben Sherman hates that word, so I, I stopped myself on that one. But uh, he, he has a really strong skill set in terms of dribble combos and and step backs, uh, a good-looking three-point shot. I do think uh, he, he lacks a little bit of the explosiveness for a step to get him all the way to the basket. Uh, you can see him finishing well when he's in transition, but in the half-court set, uh, it's really catch and shoot and getting to his spot off the dribble uh, for kind of a mid-range pull-ups. But this is a kid that is extremely lanky right now and I think still growing into his body. Um, so right now you have the number three prospect who got cut from both the USA U16s and, and U17s, and I think that probably goes um, a lot to just still being, still growing into his body and not, not being a finished prospect right now. Uh, but he's a guy that is playing a year up on the U-17 U-I-B-L circuit. So he's a guy that I will get to watch in person this coming week.
3: I'll, I'll go ahead, Joe. Yeah, you were muted, Joey. I don't know if you knew that. Sorry.
1: Um, oh, so- I, I'm muted. Now I'm the one that doesn't know how to use things. Okay. <laughs> Jarelle, so for- please follow Sean up. Thank you.
3: So he's he's a kid out of Texas um, from a recruiting perspective and we all know that Texas is another hotbed for hoops right now. Um, He's outside of Dallas and one of the things about him a cool little story is his dad is also a coach and obviously Hubert Davis played in Dallas for a few years and so um, I don't know how close, it's not a close relationship, but they do know of each other because um, his dad played basketball as well. Um, and so uh, there's there's kind of that connection there. But as far as his recruitment, I mean, again, all the Texas schools are going to be in there. Um, all the Midwest schools, Kansas, Oklahoma, uh, Arizona, pretty much anybody in that part of the country has already offered. So it's going to be the same things that we said about Ian Jackson in that when you are um, rated the way he is, um, with the skills that he has, you're going to attract every great college, and then you're also going to attract pro options, so um, not only will North Carolina have to recruit a uh, against you know texas and texas tech and texas a&m and kansas and oklahoma and oklahoma state and alabama and on down the line they also have to recruit against the g league more than likely so um that would be both of these would be tough bulls Heber davis has done it he's proven he can do it um but again until these guys actually get on campus um i think it's uh probably best to temper expectations about how involved North Carolina can, can be. Um, we saw that another player who recently, uh, UNC was, was in on and really we thought had a chance with and and Montez um, didn't get on campus and ended up going to the G league. So I really think that that campus visit is a big line between those who are really serious about North Carolina, um, and who are serious about potentially going there and maybe those who, you know, might like it, but don't have, uh, really serious intentions on on attending there.
1: I'm considering establishing like a set of ground rules or rules of engagement (laughs) for this podcast. And that would be one of them. Like don't take a UNC recruitment seriously until said prospect visits campus because more often than not, man, you're right. Like it just, it doesn't become real until they actually show up. Um, All right, next. And and this is, this is one that it was, it was really cool to see uh, even on a holiday week or or week at the NBPA it was good to see hubert davis get up off of that thing and offer james brown uh 610 power forward out of chicago st rita's sean talk about the big man's game a little bit
2: always good to see a chicago player offered and, and definitely a guy um right you know without knowing really anything about the recruitment that that probably has much more of a chance on visiting than past uh chicago players offered by by unc but uh for Brown, you mentioned 610, uh, plays for St. Rita's. The really interesting thing about him is he, he sh- when, when you're watching him you, you, on the highlights, you start seeing all these left handed dunks and you're like, oh, you know, is, is he a lefty? <laughs> uh, but then, then you see him hitting 12, 15 foot jump shots, shooting right handed. Uh, so it turns out he's a natural lefty that shoots right handed. So around the rim, uh, you're going to see a little bit of both, and the ability to finish with with either hand, the able, ability to hit a hook with either hand. Uh, not the most athletic of of players, which I think is great when you're looking at a big man in terms of him being around for more than more than one year in college. Uh, but I got similar to to Johnson that I think is continuing to grow into his body and and get a little stronger and and just a little more sure of himself, but. Right now, he, he likes to get out in transition. He runs the floor well. He can block shots uh, aggressive around the rim. So I think he, he you know, out, out of the three we've talked about, I'd say probably most excited about that, that offer and seeing what that could potentially turn into. I think right now he's ranked 32nd in the class, but I think a lot of uh, potential, especially in the college game for him.
1: Sherelle, uh again, I'm going to come to you about the recruitment. Uh, was it just the fact that he was in a cold sweat when Hubert Davis saw him this week at the MBPA, or is there is there more to it? After the game, he went on the floor and, you know, the players came in and put
3: a cape on him after the game. James Brown, humor, for those who don't know. The game really wasn't well. over. It really wasn't yeah. over. He, was, yeah, he, really was was <laughs> he came back and
1: played another quarter.
3: <laughs> uh, no, he, he played well. So the game that Hubert Davis saw. So taking his recruitment all the way back, let's start over. So UNC called him on June on Um Sean May is his lead assistant. Um, so May had Jillian Washington, uh, who's outside of Chicago, and now he has James Brown who um, is from Chicago or from outside of Chicago, but goes to school in Chicago. Um, And they were like, Hey, we, you know, we like you a lot, but we want to watch you some more. Uh, He was at USA. Um, He got um, cut from USA. I think the final cuts actually that Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And so that's Friday. He was back with his high school team playing during the live period. And at some point during those few days, he got an invite to NBPA, decided to go flew down to Orlando um, performed well. It was the second game of that first day on Wednesday. That Hubert Davis saw him. He was going against um, Xavier Booker, who is one of the like you know top ten top 15 guys in uh, his class he's seven one kind of that lanky prototypical frame that you like in bigs now and then there was another player his name escapes me i I feel bad for forgetting his name but he is built like your prototypical left tackle he was like six seven three oh five and you know he, he could move he could jump so two very different styles of bigs and he handled himself pretty well against both of those styles he was able to um uh, handled handle Booker to some degree. I don't think Booker scored but two points in that game. They weren't always on each other, but he had the, the cover part of the time. He stuck his nose in there and rebounded despite being smaller um, than a couple of those than those two guys. And then, you know, he would stood, you know, taking kind of a beating uh, from the bigger guy in, in the post. He had a couple nice layups. He ran the floor well, really smart player, always talking on the court, always pointing things out. And Hubert Davis offered later that night. So, I, you know, like we wrote in the story, He kind of saw what he needed to see. Um, As far as his recruitment goes, Illinois has a lot of built-in advantages with him. One is the home state school. That's always a big deal. One of his former teammates is signed or, excuse me, committed. Um, to play at uh, Illinois, is the program director of his AU program, which is mean Streets, is now an assistant coach uh, at Illinois, <laughs> and then uh, and then Saint Rita has another player. Um, I'm not going. to His name is Andrews. I'm not going to try. I was sorry. His name is Nogis, but I'm not going to try and pronounce his last name. Uh, I but thought you were also- going to say
1: his some other player on his team was Chief Alana Way in the in the football <laughs> season. I don't know.
3: I, I want to <laughs> say Nogis Indranitis. Yeah, uh, I'm, okay. not, I'm not. Sure, I'm not sure if that's correct. Anyway, he's another top target for Illinois. So they've he's, there's a lot of Illinois. I think they were maybe his first D1 offer, if not his first, um, definitely his first power first power five. So there's a lot of advantages there with him. Uh, the things to know about him: his dad played football at Howard University in DC, um, and then his mom uh, really didn't play sports, but she went to Cincinnati um, in Ohio. And he has told us that, um, you know, he knows the North Carolina program. He's admired it from afar. Uh, So we'll see. And obviously, he'll be talking to Jalen Washington, uh, Mm -hmm. former, you know, in the same program, uh, have the same skills trainer. So I'm sure those two will have some conversations about what it's like going from the Midwest to UNC.
1: Tell you what, man. You
2: you did mention all the sorry, all those uh, Illinois connections, uh, but still think. Uh, you know, if if you're in the city of Chicago, uh, it's still not a, not a snap of the fingers that you're going to Illinois. They've, they've continued to to struggle despite improving from what it used to be. Sorry.
1: Let that big 10 hate come through you, Sean, <laughs> let it flow through you. Uh, w- one of the things I did want to mention too is, and our listeners will probably pick up on this is it's become really remarkable how often UNC has been going against Illinois for players in the very recent past. Um, You know, whether it's for grad transfers or or elsewhere, it seemed like all of a sudden now Illinois is just is neck and neck with UNC for a lot of uh, for a lot of recruits, uh, both from the prep standpoint and and grad transfers. Um, The other thing to mention about these three guys, Ian Jackson, Trey Johnson, James Brown, uh, they will join or they join Cam Scott and Jaron Stevenson as the other two uh, players of the 24 class that hold UNC offers that we can confirm right now. Obviously, as we head into the second uh, the July live period very soon, which Sean mentioned, he'll be in Kansas City. Uh, coaches will be seeing more of these guys, and there will be more offers coming soon. Sherelle, before we get out of here today, is there anybody that you feel like, uh, you, you know, subscribers, and, and I see uh, I see subscribers and listeners of this show should kind of pay attention to as to who might be next on the offer sheet?
3: Kind of everything happened today happened, so... Um, I think that is another way that you can kind of glean how UNC feels is um, do they reach back out to Zayden High um, mm-hmm. if they feel that, that things maybe aren't going the way that they thought uh, with Gigi and his recruitment or his commitment. Uh, so that's, that's something to watch next week is how much they're, they're looking at uh, guys in 2023. There was a player they were supposed to watch, um, and he actually got hurt last week, so I'm sure they'll follow up with him, uh, Jamie Kaiser. Uh, he is a kind of a wing, I guess, a three, four, four, three, depending on who you ask. Um, he's someone that they they could look at some more. Um, and then we'll just have to see, because I, the thing about the MBPA camp is so close to the eval periods mm-hmm. that I don't think, um, unless they had done a ton of scouting on someone before, I don't think they would watch him at MBPA for a couple of times and then go ahead and offer like with Brown kind of knew that that was probably going to happen pretty soon. Um, but for someone that maybe they're watching for the first time or second or third time, probably you can just say, Hey, I'll, I'll watch him again next live period and see if he plays as well. And then maybe think about pulling a trigger on an offer. Um, so I, again, never say never in recruiting, but I'd be surprised if anything happened um, before this live period. And honestly, I'd be surprised if they offer anyone prior to the conclusion of peace jam Mm. because I think you want that full kind of two week um, body of work to, to really assess and evaluate um, how these guys did.
1: Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. You know, you wanting to see the entire summer, making sure that guys aren't, uh, just kind of a flash in the pan or making sure guys didn't just have a good weekend. And all of a sudden you, you know, you offer them and go further in the recruiting process than you really want to. Um,
3: and, and the other, the other thing they're, they're in good shape with a lot of 2024 guys. And so I think they're trying to be very careful and selective about who, um, you know, they decide to offer, especially in, in 24, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, because they, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of players in state mm-hmm. who I think uh, if North Carolina really, pursued and, and really made top targets that they could get and then you know who knows what the kind of national feelers that they put out there with the offers to to jackson and, and to johnson so um just you have to be real careful because i think the days of taking five guys in a high school class or six guys i think those are gone yeah just because of the way the portal works so i think you're you, you know five if you can get like five great players but i think four is probably looking like a, a better number um not because they couldn't get five or six guys in one class but just why do that when you can you know kind of plug and play mm-hmm. uh with guys from the portal so just just something to watch out for
1: no it makes more sense from a roster development standpoint i totally agree with you all right sean give me one guy that you want to see this week that you have not seen in person before in kansas city
2: uh that's a tough just one i'm to go cam cam scott
1: all right cam scott somebody who has been offered by unc is six five wing guard out of Lexington, south carolina um you know sean hopes to see him so we will put you on the spot in the next episode and i'm sure you'll have a good write-up for ic once you get back and have seen some of these guys um is there anything else you want to add before we get out of here today
3: Yeah, uh, from MBPA, Jaron Stevenson, who was on Gigi Jackson's team. He's one of the other 2024 offers from UNC. Again, he is a uh, rising junior at Seaforth High School in Pittsburgh. I was really, really impressed with him, man, because the question from a lot of people who, again, I'm not a scout. I'm a reporter who loves basketball. I don't consider myself a scout. But from the scouting folks, a lot of uh, the question marks were, you know, can he does he have the motor to compete? you know, at that higher level. And does he have the physicality to compete at that high level with, you know, top guys in the country. And then eventually, um, you know, with a major conference school, whether it's in the ACC or SEC or wherever. And I, I was just, I really was kind of blown away by him because again, he was, you know, among the younger people there, i um, at MBPA and physically he held up, even though he's not nearly as developed or strong yeah. as some of those other guys, it was a mindset and he was happily accepted his role as you know, uh, screener, pick and pop, rebound, defend, block shots guy, which um, for his uh, AU team and for his high school, he doesn't get to play that role. He has to be Mr. Everything, Mr. Yeah. Facilitator, passer, dribbler, shooter, he has to do it all. So it was interesting to see on a team with Gigi um, and then with Aiden Cheryl who started at the five. So it was basically Jackson at the three, Stevenson at the four, and Aiden Cheryl at the five. And so it was kind of nice to see Stevenson relish that role and, and do it well um so i, I for me i thought that was a, a big uh showing for him because the skill and the ability at his height that stuff isn't really in question it's still developing but it's not in question it was the other stuff and i, I thought he proved it you know all week long
1: yeah it's a great point man uh a lot of times when these kids are in either scholastic or an a you you don't get to see the same things as you do when you put them with you know other blue chippers and other elite players which is what they're going to look like when they get to to the next level. Uh, Sean, anything you want to add before we get out of here?
2: Nope. I think we, uh, I mean, for, for mid June or late July, there's a lot to, a lot to cover in this one and a lot to cover over the next uh, few weeks as both of us get out, get out some more.
1: Well, as always, I appreciate you guys making time for us again. If you're listening or watching this show, please rate, and review us. We had not had any reviews on iTunes in a while. Y'all fix that. Go give us a review. Five stars only. Tell us what you like and don't like. If you don't like it, hit us up on, uh, on social media or, or email us and let us know what we can do better. Because we want to make this show something that everybody that listens to it can appreciate. Uh, but we appreciate you listening and being a part of it. Appreciate John Siegley for uh, producing. Appreciate Johnny T-Shirt for sponsoring. But most importantly, I appreciate Sean and Cheryl for being here because they make this show what it is. Until next time, I am merely Joey Powell for Inside Carolina. This has been the Coast to Coast Podcast. We will catch you all next time. Late